Amateur Radio Newsline, report number 2,359 with a release date of Friday, January 13th, 2023, to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. An Indonesian ham satellite scores a first for the nation. The FCC studies spectrum space for drones, and hams in Australia prepare to pay higher fees. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2,359 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's independent weekly amateur radio news and bulletin service. Now reporting from Picayune, Mississippi, here is Don Wilbanks, AE5DW. An achievement by Indonesian students is being celebrated as a first for that nation. Jason Daniels, VK2LAW, has those details. Congratulations to the students of Surya University in Indonesia following the deployment of their first satellite from the International Space Station. Known as SS-1 for Surya Satellite 1, the CubeSat was sent into space on its own successfully on Friday, January 6th. SS-1 is also Indonesia's first student-built satellite. The university undergraduates undertook the project with the support of the United Nations Office for Outer Space Affairs, which recognised it in a design competition in 2018. That achievement awarded it the chance to be deployed from the ISS. The CubeSat's mission is to test communication between an automatic package reporting system payload and the ground using the amateur radio frequency 145.825 MHz. The university students were inspired to undertake the project after seeing a presentation on amateur radio by the Indonesian Radio Amateurs Organization, known as ARARI. This is Jason Daniels, VK2LAW. In the U.S., the FCC is taking yet another look at spectrum allocation, this time in the 5 gigahertz band. Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, tells us what they have in mind. A portion of the 5 gigahertz spectrum could become available to unmanned aerial vehicles such as drones under a proposal being considered by the U.S. Federal Communications Commission. FCC Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel issued a statement saying that an assessment of spectrum resources dedicated to remote piloted aircraft was long overdue. The FCC is studying the range between 5.03 and 5.091 gigahertz, frequencies that are below the range typically used in the U.S. and other countries for low-power, unlicensed wireless devices using frequencies that start at 5.15 gigahertz. In the U.S., the FCC limits the maximum channel width used by unlicensed devices to prevent interference with users on the licensed portion of the spectrum. The frequencies being looked at by the FCC are not within the amateur band between 5.65 and 5.85 gigahertz. The agency is seeking input on the proposal, which takes on added importance as the commercial use of drones continues to surge in the United States. The chairwoman said that the FCC also acknowledges that unmanned aircraft are also vital to first responders and in disaster recovery and wildfire situations. She said the proposal was developed with input from the National Telecommunications and Information Administration and the Federal Aviation Administration. This is Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY. It's time to get on the air and celebrate the first voice mode used by amateur radio. Here's Andy Morrison, K9AWM, to tell us how. Anyone who uses amplitude modulation on the bands knows the warm sound it brings to casual conversation and the historical importance of keeping alive the first amateur voice mode. The AM Rally, an annual celebration of this mode, is returning to HF and 6 meters from February 3rd through the 6th. 
It's not necessary to have a boat anchor for full carrier amplitude modulation. Modern radios, including software-defined rigs, as well as military radios, modified broadcast radios, and home brew models are capable of helping operators take part in this event. Information about logging your contacts and noting your rig and your output power class can be found on the website amrally.com. There are suggestions on how to prepare as well as a guide to where and when you can find the most active AM action going on from 6 to 160 meters. AM cannot be used on 60 meters in the United States, however. As organizer Clark N1BCG says, quote, It's a great opportunity for newcomers to try the first phone mode and for experienced ops to be AM ambassadors, end quote. This is Andy Morrison, K9AWM. A fee increase is about to have an impact on amateur radio operators down under. Graham Kemp, VK4BB, explains what's happening. Hams in Australia will begin paying higher fees for amateur radio services from the Australian Maritime College starting Monday, Feb 6. The Australian Communications and Media Authority approved a fee increase of 5% to cover call sign services and amateur qualification procedures. The fees have been implemented in keeping with the Australian Government's cost recovery guidelines which permit authorities to charge non-government entities for part or all of the costs involved in certain government activities such as regulation or services. The Australian Maritime College manages amateur radio exam services for the ACMA at the proficiency levels of Foundation, Standard and Advanced Licence classes. This is Graham Kemp, VK4BB. An event known as Winter Heat started on January 1st and is going on all month here in the U.S. If you have a technician class license, you're especially welcome to join in as we hear from Jack Parker, W8ISH. The very word itself, Winter Heat, would suggest a name that contradicts itself. Instead, Winter Heat has grown to stand for an event that presents increasing opportunities for all amateur radio operators in the United States, most especially those with a technician class license. Now in its fourth year, the month-long winter heat challenges amateurs to become active in the FM simplex band segments on VHF and UHF. The activity also attracts operators on simplex, DMR, D-Star, and Fusion. One of the organizers, John Fulton, K9AI, told Newsline that winter heat started modestly in Illinois in 2019, but has since spread to other Midwestern states and outward toward both coasts. John said the last year's event drew amateurs' participation in 38 states for a total of 134,000 contacts. Winter Heat makes its web-based logging and reporting system available to registered operators, and those operators can also view real-time statistics and propagation. Licensed hams who are interested in being a part of Winter Heat can register to participate by signing up at www.hamactive.com. This is Jack Parker, W8ISH. A well-known contester and leader in the amateur radio community has become a silent key. We hear more about him from Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. Known worldwide for personal contributions to groups advancing amateur radio, Fred Lawn, K3ZO, was also an accomplished contester who was inducted into the CQ Contest Hall of Fame in 1993. Fred, a resident of Temple Hills, Maryland, became a silent key on January 3rd after falling ill in mid-December. According to various reports, at the time of his death, he had been diagnosed with an infection and COVID. A member of the ARRL Maxim Society and a life member of the League, Fred had been a director of the Yasme Foundation, which helps fund projects advancing amateur radio. 
His lifelong commitment to ham radio began in 1952 when he got his first license and was assigned WN9SZR as his call. A retired foreign service officer, Fred was a member of the First Class CW Operators Club and the A1 Operator Club. He was also a president of the National Capital DX Association and the Potomac Valley Radio Club. RAST, the Radio Amateur Society of Thailand, penned a tribute on its website to Fred, who also held the call sign HS0ZAR. Fred had been a longtime advisor to RAST. He became one of the young organization's earliest supporters after its creation in the late 1960s when his work as a United States Foreign Service officer assigned him to a post in Thailand. Tributes poured in on other websites, too. Riding on the reflector of the Potomac Valley Radio Club, Ken K4ZW said, quote, There was just something about tuning the bands during a contest and hearing K3ZO. You knew everything was right with the ham radio world. End quote. Fred was 85. This is Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. A noted Cuban journalist and amateur radio operator has also become a silent key. Arnaldo Coro Antich, CO2KK, died on January 8th. According to the shortwave listening post, his death was the result of complications of various chronic illnesses. Hems around the world also knew him as Arnie Coro. Arnie was active in amateur radio since the age of 12, when he joined an organization that was then known as the Radio Club de Cuba. He pursued a career in journalism and carved out a strong reputation in both radio and in print media. Even at his current age of 80, he remained an active part of the team at Radio Habana Cuba, with an English-language program known as DXers Unlimited, which had a worldwide amateur radio listenership. In addition to teaching journalism at two institutes in Cuba, he was active in the Cuban Radio Amateurs Federation, which was formed in 1966. Committed to emergency response work, he was the emergency coordinator for Area C of Region 2 of the International Amateur Radio Union. Arnie was 80. It's time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the AH6LE repeater in Beaver Creek and Wilsonville, Oregon, on Sundays at 6 p.m. local time. Amateur Radio Digital Communications invites everyone to its next community meeting, which is being held on the Zoom platform on Saturday, January 21st. Attendees will meet the new advisory committee members, learn about grants given in 2022, and hear about the recently concluded 44-net assessment. To attend, you must register. See the link in the text version of this week's Newsline script for the registration link. The popular annual event known as Ham Radio University returned this year as an online event and attracted international attendance. Paul Brown, WD9GCO, has the wrap-up on that. Saturday, January 7th, was a back-to-school day for more than a 1,000 radio amateurs who signed up for a seat in the virtual classrooms of Ham Radio University. The Day of Education and Fellowship marked the third time this event has been held online since the first one was held on Long Island, New York, 23 years ago. The fact that it was held in a virtual space meant that it could open its doors to visitors beyond the New York metropolitan area and welcome amateurs from Bulgaria, Germany, Lebanon, Greece, Thailand, and Korea, as well as many other nations. Organizers said that in all, 1,662 hams registered, and of those, 1,082 attended the free event, taking advantage of the various forums, which included software-defined radios, parks on the air, grounding in the ham shack, and the role of the Raspberry Pi computers in amateur radio. 
Did you miss a forum or perhaps you weren't available to attend at all? This year's presentations were recorded and will soon be available for viewing on Ham Radio University's YouTube channel. Meanwhile, the hard work has already begun on next year's event, which organizers hope will be available as a combination of virtual and in-person classes. This is Paul Brown, WD9GCO. Parks on the Air Administrators have spent the past few days tallying up activator totals for 2022. Matt here, N3NWV, is here to share the final numbers. Howdy, POTA folks. I'm Matt, N3NWV, and this is the December 22 monthly POTA update, which is our 2022 year-end wrap-up. So instead of December statistics, let's talk about how 2022 stacked up against 2021. In terms of total activations, there were 141,477. That's a 195% increase over the previous year. 7,187 activators participated in these activations, which is a 171% increase over 2021. In total, 14,818 parks were activated, a 134% increase over 2021. These parks are spread out across 72 DXCC entities, 147% increase over 2021. And drumroll please, we logged over 6.26 million QSOs in 2022. That's a 220% increase, more than double what we logged in 2021. And as you might expect with the maturity of the POTA program, a lot of the growth is happening outside of the United States. In IARU Region 1, we had 5,940 activators, That's a 418% increase over 2021. Fantastic numbers for Region 2 outside of the continental U.S. as well. 11,630 activations represents a 267% increase over 2021. Last but by no means least, Region 3's 8,780 QSOs represents a 283% increase over 2021. Amateur radio operators in the UK have become very involved in planning for the coronation of the next king. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, tells us about one award group that has launched an event that continues right through to the end of the year. The coronation of King Charles III in Westminster Abbey in May has inspired the Worked All Britain Awards group to create a year-long event honouring the new monarch of the United Kingdom and Commonwealth Territories. The King Charles III Coronation Award is open to any amateur radio operator who is able to log contacts within the various geographical squares inside the UK throughout 2023. Hams may operate on all licensed frequencies and modes to qualify. According to the group's website, the initial certificate will be awarded for 10 points. There are endorsements for each 10 after that. Finally, each multiple of 100 points earns the operator a new certificate and a trophy. Details about the scoring methods are available on the website at the address that appears in the text version of this week's newscast at arnewsline.org. This is Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. In some parts of North America where winter has taken hold, many people are making plans to go into the mountains for a weekend of hiking or skiing. Then there are the hams who activate summits and look at those same mountains as places they'll activate this spring and summer. Salimbi, KB3TZD, tells us what they've got planned. We may only be in January, but two clubs in the northeastern United States are already deep in the planning stages of campouts that combine eyeball QSOs with summit activations. The Northeast Sota Club has scheduled its first campout for this spring. Hams will be meeting up in Woodstock, New York, which is nestled in the Catskill Mountain region. 
The campout will take place between May 19th and May 22nd. Amateurs will be able to use one of the 45 campsites available at the Woodland Valley Campground. There is also an option to bring an RV. The club is advising early reservations for those planning to attend. Contact AJ at the email address found in the text version of this week's newscast. Meanwhile, east of the Catskills, campers are looking forward to returning to the White Mountains of New Hampshire for the 6th annual W1 SOTA Campout. These SOTA enthusiasts will be gathering from June 1st to June 5th. One of the organizers, Bob, AC1Z, writes on the SOTA reflector, Join in for the entire four-night campout, or for as many nights as you can, or just stop by for a while. Email Bob for details or to let him know your plans. His email address can be found in the text version of this week's newscast. In the world of DX, be listening for AT18BSG, a special event station that will be on the air until the 15th of January in India. The station is marking the 18th National Jamboree of the Bharat Scouts and Guides. According to the events page on QRZ.com, thousands of scouts, guides, and adult leaders will be active. QSL via VU2NRO. Whether or not you're a soccer fan, be listening for the special call sign 7U7C, being used by operators who belong to the Great Desert Jelfa Radio Amateur Club 7X2VFK. The club is on the air marking the 7th African Nations Championship taking place in Algeria from the 13th of January until the 4th of February. This biennial football tournament is organized by the Confederation of African Football. See QRZ.com for details. In Central Africa, Roland, F8EN, is operating as TR8CR from Gabon until March 15, 2023. He's on the air using CW on 30 to 10 meters, QSL via F6AJA. Many special event stations are on the air announcing the upcoming World Radio Sport Team Championship to be held in Italy. Here are two in particular to listen for as they operate in Indonesia and New Zealand. Listen for 8B0RARI and ZL6WRTC on various HF bands where operators will be using CW and SSB. CQRZ.com for QSL details. And for our final story, we ask, how does a radio operator pursue three soda summits, six island activations, and two lake activations in the space of seven days? The answer... He goes with the flow. In this case, the flow of a river in New Zealand. Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF, takes us on that ride. It was a seven-day journey along the length of the Clutha River in New Zealand, and Matt, ZL4NVW, was more than up to the challenge. He had his pack raft, his kayak, his radio, and his game plan. Writing on the Sota Reflector later, Matt shared the details of how he collected peaks and some summit-to-summit contacts along the way. He battled band conditions as well as scrub from the wild landscape. Entering the river south of Albert Town with his gear safely packed and waterproofed, he braced for the equivalent of a solar storm, rapids, whirlpools and boils. The trip afterward was marked by alternating moments of extreme peace and temperamental waters, though he suffered a wrist injury at one point. He advised readers to file his story, quote, under the lengths, someone will go to activate a one-point summit, end quote. That would be one of the stops he made to climb Taiwit Peak on Mauwaho Island in Otago, the summit designated ZL3-OT-493. Perhaps just a single point earned here, but the total adventure points for this trip were off the charts. This is Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF. 
Do you have a piece of amateur radio news that you think Newsline would be interested in? We're not talking about advertising your club's upcoming ham fest or field day participation, but something that's out of the ordinary. If so, send us a brief overview via the contact page at arnewsline.org. If it's newsworthy and we'd like to cover it, we'll get back to you for more details. With thanks to Amateur Radio Weekly, AMSAT News Service, the ARRL, ARDC, CQ Magazine, David Behar, K7DB, Diane Ortiz, K2DO, the K8CX Ham Gallery, FCC, the 425DX News, John Fulton, K9AI, Parks on the Air, The Register, Shortwave Listening Post, shortwaveradio.de, The Soda Reflector, Tom Karuba, KA2D, Wireless Institute of Australia, Worked All Britain, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer nonprofit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. We also remind our listeners that if you like our newscast, please leave us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to us. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York and our news team worldwide, I'm Don Wellbanks, AE5DW in Picayune, Mississippi, saying 7-3. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2023. All rights are reserved.